0: Hello and welcome to the Ever Better Life podcast. What's up, guys? We are going to be talking today about infidelity, getting cheated on. And what can you do if you've just been through this type of situation? That was uh, back when we first started asking questions about people in relationships. We did get a couple mm, infidelity leading towards divorce or going through a divorce because of uh, Someone being unfaithful. And we want to talk about what you can do if you find yourself in that situation.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is obviously a a big one. And I think one of the things that I think people tend to assume in general that like the experience that they create in response to a particular life event is somehow or or another intrinsic to that experience or intrinsic to that event or inevitable kind of in light of the event. Um, And I think that ones like this in particular – being cheated on, uh, being lied to in any kind of really profound way, I guess. Um, it's one of those ones in particular where people tend to assume, especially, it's funny, I think to the extent that a person tends to create a negative experience in response to having this happen to them. Um, they, th- there, there tends to be kind of a background assumption that that's the only way they could possibly feel about it. Or that that's, that's just what it feels like to have had someone else do that you know what I'm saying, who's you know, someone else that they're with, do that to them. And I think that one of the really important things, starting from the very beginning, is developing this ability to, at, at, on the one hand, accept that your experience is what it is, which is to say, don't feel bad about feeling as bad as you do. Don't resist the fact that you feel as bad as you do. Don't you know, try to deny to yourself or you know, to others or whatever. Don't, you know, don't go into denial about how you feel about it. So there's that on the one hand, that, that capacity to just acknowledge to yourself Man, what it's like to be me kind of sucks in response to this. Like I, my self-concept, my self-image is is, is was really not prepared to create a resourceful or a worthwhile or even a manageably unpleasant experience of this. This is, a, this is an experiential cataclysm. This is a catastrophe. This is a thing. On the one hand, you want the ability just to acknowledge that, let that be okay, not resist it, not feel bad about it, not feel stupid because that's how you feel, not, you know feel worse because you feel as bad as you do, et cetera. But then on the other hand, to realize that the experience that you're having in response to this other person's behavior, this kind of betrayal that they've kind of subjected you to, that experience isn't inevitable. Which is to say, here's another way you could say it, um, that you are capable of creating more experiences in response to a given life event than whatever experience you happen to create in a specific circumstance or in a specific instance, right? That your brain, your mind, your neurology, your psychology, all of these different things can be rearranged in a way that make it possible for you, if you want to, to generate more resourceful experiences of this stuff or kind of retroactively to deconstruct what it is that's making this such a persistently kind of traumatic fact for you so that you can move on and start you know, enjoying what it's like to be you more. I mean, it, it, you know, one of the things that's interesting is that people talk about trauma and, you know, what, what, what happens if you learn something five years after a traumatic event occurred that if you knew about it at the time and maybe had practiced it and mastered it, um, it would have prevented that event from being traumatic at all or would have kind of downgraded the intensity of the trauma. Does that do anything for you? And I think a lot of people, they're, they're traumatized by an event And so that, that event constitutes a trauma. But then, in an ongoing way, they're traumatized by the fact that they have that in their personal history. And I think that it's useful to be able to make a distinction between that. That when you did that, or when that thing happened, or when it was done to me, that was traumatic. And then, moving forward, I've got this thing in my personal history that I don't know how to cope with. I don't know how to think about it in a way that makes it so that I feel like I'm getting some experiential distance. You know, I mean, in terms of time, I realized it was a long time ago, but in terms of experience, it feels like it was one experiential second ago. Or even worse than that, it feels like it's happening. It's experientially right now. My present moment experience is that betrayal or whatever. And I think that when you learn this new stuff, if this is something that's already happened to you, it can allow you to create a resourceful experience of having that event in your personal history so that you're not traumatized by having it in your past. And then in the future, you know, one of the big things for people who have been cheated on, especially, is that they tend to, a concern about that happening to them again very often prevents them from forming the kind of quality of relationship that they deserve. And so to the extent that you begin to, realize that it's possible to respond resourcefully, to experience in kind of more empowering ways, even the kind of unpleasant stuff that can happen in life sometimes, people letting you down, for example. It becomes safer for you to open yourself up to what's possible for you so that your past doesn't establish some kind of emotionally protective glass ceiling that limits what's possible for you in the future.
0: Yeah, I had a situation um, where I was cheated on, and it was dramatic. And I had zero tools for handling it resourcefully. So, I mean, I made it mean every bad thing about me and the person. And it was just so dramatic and traumatic. And, you know, I allowed it to... um make me believe that I had trust issues and that I could never just trust someone again. Um, I did all the things (laughs) that, that one does when you have no tools and you don't even have that awareness. You don't even have that realization as, oh, I could be perceiving this in a different way. I could be assigning different meanings. I could just, you know, feel it for what it is and not be making it a hundred times worse. I think that's like we talked about with the the breakup stuff and the moving on stuff. It's that there's a certain amount of just kind of inherent, oh, shock, surprise, uh, grief, anger, but it doesn't have to be ongoing, you don't have to grind salt into the wound, you can address it, look at it as feedback, and um, decide how you want to move forward. How would I like to feel about this? What would it take for me to not give an F about this or for this not to ruin me, shatter me, destroy me? Um, You know, and I think that does get more complicated when you're married and then you have children and there's just you know, if you're especially blindsided by it, um, you know, blaming yourself, guilt, I should have seen it sooner, um, that ca- causes you to put up all sorts of walls and all sorts of um, just negative mm. um Thought patterns that tend to persist. You know, once something like this happens, we do. We learn from it. We extrapolate. We, uh, you know, see the world through that lens of this happened to me, um, and we could think about it in an unresourceful way on a very, very frequent basis that ruins our experience mm-hmm. for long periods of time, if not mm-hmm. in a, a person's entire life.
1: Yeah, I think I think one of the big things too is realizing that there's not like w- one right or appropriate. Emotional response to having something like this done to you. There's not one right or appropriate behavioral response to having your partner cheat on you. You know, I mean, there, there it's easy to say, oh, yeah, if they cheat on you, you should break up with them. You know, that, that should just be the end of it. And I understand why people would come from that perspective. And I think that in a lot of cases, um, that's probably the smart thing to do. Um, be, and it's not usually because of the cheating itself, it's because of the context in which the cheating occurred and why it happened. Who is this person? What are they to you? Why are you with them? And all this different stuff. The thing for me, though, and, and this is kind of like going with the theme of this podcast, is this isn't like the takeaway is, okay, they cheat on you, you must break up, or you must forgive them, or you should forgive them, or you know feel sorry for them because it was their inner child that wanted some kind of affection or some kind of you know just stuff like that. Maybe that's true. Maybe that's a bunch of bullshit. I don't know. So what I want to do is make it so that you are capable of choosing consciously how you're going to respond mentally, emotionally, behaviorally in a situation like that because that's personal freedom if If you're in a situation where someone has cheated on you and and for whatever reason you don't want to just kind of cold turkey the relationship well then that's that's fine you know you need to be able to be at one figure out why you feel that way i'd be i'd want to know I'd want to be aware of what was motivating me. Is it a fear of being alone? Is it a feeling that it's my fault that they did this? Um, is it, I mean, is, is, am I just not that bothered by the fact that it happened? I mean, there, you know, some people are really totally devastated when these things happen. Other people, it's more like, uh-uh-uh, I shouldn't have done that. Oh, You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that, that, That's true. There, there is a wide range of experiences that people have in response to infidelity, in response to being lied to, in response in general just to kind of being let down by their partner or disappointed in some way. And so I think that the key thing to realize is there isn't a right or a wrong thing. I don't care if you're married. I don't care if you have kids. I don't care if you've been together for a long time. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's The choices that you make are going to have an impact on what it's like to be you, right? And the reality is you're going to be the better judge of what's most in your interest and what's going to do the best for improving what it's like to be you over time. And ultimately, you're the only one that's going to have to live with the experiential consequences of doing whatever it is that you choose to do. Now, of course, people can then say, oh, but what about the kids and all this? And I say, well, yeah, what about the kids? You stay with somebody who you don't really want to be with. You think they're not going to pay the price for that. There are going to be costs and there are going to be benefits, sort of collateral things for your kids, regardless of the choices that you make. And so one thing I would admonish people against is using the fact that you have children as a crutch or as an excuse. To avoid doing things, and kind of you know, I've got this rational kind of socially acceptable reason why we had kids. When the real reason that you don't want to do them is that you think that you can't, or that you're afraid to, or that there's something, you know what I'm saying? That's you can. I'm telling you, you can get away. The world will let you get away with all kinds of bullshit, especially if you've got kids, especially if you've got a good story to tell. And my problem with that is not anything other than the fact that it's possible for you to talk yourself into a life that isn't what you want and out of a life that you deserve that is what you want by kind of leveraging those kind of things. And so just realize, like, someone you, know, you, you just gathered some information about your reality. Your significant other did something that you hoped probably they would never do, perhaps you thought that they would never do, and you feel about it the way that you feel, right? And given that, what do you want? What's next? And realize that there are a bunch of paths open to you from this moment moving on into the future. And that what we want to do is not focus on making the right choice. We want to focus on making the one, choosing the path that seems most likely to serve you in the long run. And when you're really honest and when you're really candid that, that with yourself, you know, with the fact that that's my intention, is to consciously choose the thing that's going to serve me the most, then you have freedom because you're playing... Kind of a straight hand. You're playing in an honest way. You know, you're 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 at least there may be information that you don't have access to, but at the very least, you're not kind of like deceiving yourself or having to pretend like you don't know certain things are motivating you when they actually are. The next thing I would begin to do is I think that when big life events like this happen, they tell, especially when they're unexpected, right? They tell us something about our self-concept, about what we believe about ourselves and the world and other people that we may not know or be able to find out as certainly as we would if we just, say, sat down and did like a beliefs exercise. I mean, it's great to sit down and prompt yourself and write out what you think you believe about this, that, and the other thing, men and women and money and family and relationships. But if you really want to find out what you think about these things, what you want to do is just arrange to be blindsided, preferably in a kind of a negative way, uh, by something that you never thought was going to happen, and then see what comes up. What does your other than conscious mind? What what does your you know subconscious, whatever you want to call it? What does it start serving up to you when you're confronted with some shocking life event? Because that's the stuff you really believe about yourself. Those are the things that are really informing kind of how you perceive yourself and the world and your relation to it. What's possible for you? What's not possible for you? What you're obligated to do? What you're what you're prohibited from doing? And all of that stuff. And one of the reasons that it's really important that you not resist whatever your emotional reaction to being cheated on is, is that if you're resisting it, you're suffering, one, but two, you're missing a really possibly once in a lifetime chance to learn certain things about what you really believe. Because a lot of these kind of the more wretched beliefs that we hold about ourselves, the less, the sort of most unresourceful things we believe, they don't. You know, they're, they're kind of like the, the the people in your life that are the most dysfunctional or sort of like if you want to say the, 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 the most evil people in your life, right? The, the people who seem the most evil anyway. They don't usually come right out with it and say, I'm abusive. I'm going to undermine your, your, your confidence in yourself. I'm going to make you, I'm going to isolate you from your friends and family. I'm going to make sure that you know you're nothing without me. They don't necessarily come out and announce their intentions. They kind of lurk on the periphery and they wait for a weak moment, right? And then they kind of slip in and start to influence you then. A lot of these beliefs they work the same way. They don't just come right out so that you're able to say when you're clear-headed and thinking well and things are going well in your life, "Oh yeah, I believe I'm not worthy of any of these things." That's not how it works. Well, usually, what happens is those things wait until you're weak, until you've got some evidence that seems to support them, and then, wham, they come on the scene and say, "See, see, yeah, just like your dad left, he left, or just like your dad mm-hmm. left, he's cheating on you." Ah, you see that? And you want to go to watch that shit as it happens. You want to be able to observe it. And you, if you have one foot in the camp of self-deception you'll pretend like those things aren't happening even if you have the ability to observe them and you just have no chance then you want to really have your eyes wide open and observe what what is it that your mind is saying to yourself in those moments what are you inclined to believe what are you willing to believe what are you searching for what 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 painful conclusions are you in a big rush to make you know what I'm saying watching those things because it tells you some really useful stuff about things that you can kind of address, rewire, recalibrate, revise, redecide um in your life moving forward. And you might have never had a chance to kind of ferret that stuff out had this shocking thing not occurred.
0: Yeah, huge, huge opportunity for a revelation of what is pulling the strings, running the show, this background patterning, um, you know, even actually thinking back to The time this happened to me, like uh, so many different things came up about, you know, my worth as a person um, and my, and this is very interesting too. And I only, you know, really recognized it in retrospect was the opportunity to get back together with the person, but then having this kind of like permanent uh, leverage (laughs) over Mm -hmm. them. Like, oh, like, well, uh, well, we'll get back together. And then like, I kind of have you, um, over a barrel forever because you did the worst most unimaginable thing and I forgave you and I got back together with you even after that. And so it's kind of the permanent upper hand which is majorly dysfunctional and very controlling. It's like the ring of
1: power I feel like it's going to, you know, corrupt you and turn you into like Gollum, but it's Right but and it has you don't a power to it, you know. You don't
0: realize that when you're doing it. It's like, "Oh, but but it's worked in there." Like, "Why what you do after it happens, you know, how you're inclined to feel those stories that you're telling yourself look at them look at them closely see what's behind there because that's you know these moments can in retrospect be those huge aha oh my gosh i could have never predicted that this most worst thing Mm -hmm. most worst (laughs) that that's ever happened to me um that that was the catalyst that was the trampoline that i thought it was at rock bottom worst thing ever that catapulted me and allowed me to create the life that I want that I never would have seen otherwise. So, you know, for every adversity there is that seed of greater benefit and your job is to find it. (laughs) Find the seed, look for it, know that it's there and, um, you know, shifting that focus from what you do not want to what you do want in this situation. And, um, you know, maybe your partner wants something different than you and that might be a big shock and a big blow too. But again, well, how are you reacting to that? How are you responding to that? Um, is this something you already knew, didn't know at all, um, could have seen if you were watching, if you were paying attention? Um, you know, because that's a big wake-up call in, mm-hmm. in regards to uh, what's going on with us that this even happened. Mm-hmm. You know, what allowed you to be in the state that you were in that allowed you to, to do this um, in spite of all the reasons I would think that you would have not to do it?
1: Yeah, the longer I've been kind of observing human behavior, the more suspicious I am. I don't think any, I don't think any of this stuff ever just happens. Not, not when it's things that are totally under one or both parties like voluntary control. Like if you marry somebody and they get hit by a car, you know, I don't necessarily think that you picked him out in high school because you said, yeah, he looks like the kind of guy that's accidentally going to step out in front of a bus one day. I don't think that necessarily is something that's planned. But with something like infidelity, I, I just, I, I really don't believe that the determining factor is, oh, I had a high sex drive, or oh, there was a you know really hot girl I was working with, or oh, she came on to me in a really strong way. And if only those facts hadn't have been present in that sequence, this would have never happened. And I, one of the reasons I feel that way is because I've, I've watched it over and over again, and you see it play out in dramas, on television, and in the movies, and all this crap. And so there's this kind of, kind of storyline, and we're going to talk about life scripts later, but this is a big part of it. Um... I have never cheated on anyone I was with. I've I've never I've never done that. I've never been truly tempted to do it. I mean, there have been situations where if you would say, "Oh, look, here's a girl. Do you find her attractive?" The response and I, and I was with someone else in high school or college or whatever, I would say, "Yeah, I do find them attractive." Like, would you be interested in possibly being with that person? "Oh, yeah, sure. Would you be interested in cheating on your girlfriend with them?" Absolutely not. And it's not because I'm a good guy, and it's not because I have some kind of like, you know, super evolved respect for women that no other man has. You know what I'm saying? It's it's not any kind of self-aggrandizing stuff like that. It's because, I think we talked about this in a previous podcast, I'm turned off by bad decisions. <laughs> I, it, it, it's it just is too much fucking work. It's got disaster written all over it. Is, am I, is she going to know that I'm cheating? Or is she going to be in the dark too? I'm going to keep both of them in the dark and all this different stuff. It's not appealing. If I want to have sex with the other person, I'm going to have a talk with my... I mean, I've been in relationships with people before and become attracted to other people and then said to the person that I was in a relationship with, listen, this isn't going to work out. Um, I, I, you know, I, I'm, I think I'm pretty much done here, um, and we had a conversation, we concluded that, and I moved on to the next one. That, in my, I'm not smart in every area of my life, but I think I'm pretty smart when it comes to that, and that just seems like what an intelligent person does when they aren't being driven towards bad decisions by a kind of other-than-conscious compulsion to ruin something good they have for themselves or pursue forbidden fruit because it's forbidden or get themselves into a mess or say, here I go again, all of these, stre- or end up, like you said, for example, so when, when, when the guy cheated on you and then you guys got back together, you kind of really had him over a barrel, right? Now, somebody might hear that and say, gosh, you know, how too bad for him. He was with a, a woman who, you know, forgave him so that she could then use it as leverage against him. Well, guess what? Why do you think he did it in the first place? Do you think he did it because he's just a little amorous rabbit who can't control himself? No. I think he probably had an agenda. He knew what kind of a woman you are, right? I know what kind of a woman you are. Let me tell you, if, if I were the kind of guy who was going to cheat on his partner, Melissa would not be my partner because I, it just doesn't seem like a good, right? It doesn't seem like a good idea to give you that kind of leverage over me or to give kind of the worst parts of you that kind of leverage over the worst parts of me. And so I don't think this guy just stumbled into this thing. I think that probably he had some programming. He chose you as a partner, then he chose to do what he did in a situation that allowed him to then get caught doing it, and then he suffered the consequences. And I'm sure that kind of played into his program, his life, the outcome, the thing he was going to have going on. And so I think if you just really watch, how am I set up? How am I programmed? How am I obliged to react to the fact that this thing happened? Become intensely interested in what that tells you about yourself and about your script and about like, how are you supposed to feel when someone else does this thing? And then what you want to start saying is, am I really free? Am I autonomous? Is that how I want to feel? Is that intrinsic to having had this happen to me? And the answer is no. It doesn't mean you're wrong to feel that way. But what we want to do is to begin to awaken within you the capacity to select from a range of feelings that are available to you on the basis of what you think is going to serve you most. Because it's one of these things that I think maybe we've addressed this before. We'll probably circle back around to this in detail. This is a whole episode, really. The difference between real feelings and authentic feelings. This is an Eric Barron thing. Um, every feeling that you have is real. There's no such thing as a fake feeling. Like If you feel it. It's real. Like, if you say something to me, if you criticize something about, you know, me talking too much on this podcast, she never does that. She's used to it. But, like, you know, if you did that and I felt hurt by that, that's a real feeling, right? But that doesn't mean it's an authentic feeling. An authentic feeling, or I'll tell you what, an authentic feeling isn't. That's when I learn how to feel in response to certain things like criticism early in my life. And then moving forward, I have no choice but to feel that way in response to the stimulus of criticism because somebody taught me to feel that way when I was growing up. It's not that the feeling that I'm creating and feeling isn't real, it's that it's not authentic. It's that I'm feeling that because I learned how to feel that because of early life experiences. An authentic feeling is when I'm conscious and when I'm aware and when I see myself feeling whatever I'm feeling and I'm able to say, am I feeling this way because I'm actually worthless or because of what he or she actually did? Or am I feeling this way because early life experiences set me up, conditioned me, informed me, programmed me to be conditionally okay so that I feel great as long as my life partner is interested in me, but if they do certain things, then I have to feel bad? That's a racket feeling. It's real, but it's not authentic, right? It's not an expansive kind of expression of your capacity to feel and interact with your reality. It's you basically reading off of a script, and there's a little algorithm, and it says, oh, hang on a second, he cheated on me, I have to feel worthless. He cheated on me, I have to feel angry and vindictive. That's another really interesting thing. If someone cheats on you, and your response is, that son of a bitch, do you know what I'm saying? I can't believe it all, the da, 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 and it's revenge, or it's anger, or it's whatever, again, it's not wrong. But I'm just wondering if, if you were, were more conscious and more aware and more committed to responding resourcefully to whatever was going on in your life, because... You had this deep-seated, just a sort of insatiable urge just to improve what it's like to be you, no matter what. I'm wondering if revenge would be your number one preoccupation. I'm wondering if there's not something else that would, that, that would maybe enrich your life more if that was your priority and if that was your concern. Again, it doesn't mean it's wrong. It doesn't mean you have to feel bad about the fact that you feel that way. If you do, it doesn't mean you have to resist it. But it's interesting. It's pointing you in a particular direction. I mean, I, I, when I was was in high school, I, I never had like a serious instance of someone cheating on me. But I did have instances where like, we, you, know, you, you know, that kind of ambiguous beginning dating phase where it's kind of like, well, yeah, we're, we're seeing each other. But then they had just recently broken up or something like that. And then they, they end up going back with the other person and they tell you about it. So it's sort, of, sort of these mild instances of, of, I suppose it's kind of cheating, but it's nothing like what would happen if you'd been with someone for a year, let alone decades, right? Um, and I remember when those things happened. And I remember f- having, feeling kind of the opportunity to feel certain things about myself. But I was basically like, no, hang on a second. You know, she was with somebody else before. She still had feelings for this guy. They, there was a weak moment, whatever. This thing happened. Do I really care about that? I mean, what if, what if I would have met her two or three weeks later? Then the cheating would have even been cheating. It just would have been her going back with this guy. Do I care about that? No, not really. What's my objective? My objective's her. Okay, fine, whatever. That was kind of my free response to that. And I think that what we want to do is have this ability to just, like, decide what we're going to decide something like that means. And, and that really is. I mean, do you, do you want to have to be emotionally devastated because somebody else wants to be with somebody else? Very rarely. That's why they do it, by the way. That's not usually why they do it. Usually, they do it because something about their life script requires something about what your reaction will supply them, right? Let's say that you tend towards anger and, and vengeful kind of vindictive revenge kind of things. Maybe they have a life script that calls for uh, hell hath no fury, like a woman scorned type thing, right? They they, they they have this need to be punished or to have sort of a shitstorm rain down on them, right? On the other hand, if your response is to be emotionally devastated, I don't know what their experience of your emotional devastation is. Maybe in some way it makes them feel like they're more powerful. Maybe it makes them feel profoundly guilty, and that's their shtick. That's their thing. Maybe they love your relationship, and they're happy, and that's why they have to screw it up. There's all these different things. And so rather than worrying about that stuff, usually what I do is just step back and say, bottom line, how how am I going to respond to this? Not how, how would I respond if it hadn't have happened because I wish that it hadn't happened. Given the fact that it happened, what do I want now? And I think the first thing that you want more than anything is the ability to do whatever makes the most sense to you, regardless of what that is. You don't want to be bound by sentiment. You don't want to be bound by feelings of loyalty. One of the things you don't want to do is you don't want to know that you want to leave, but then not leave because you think that if you stay. You earn some kind of power over them because you were wronged, but you stayed. And so for the rest of their life, you get to hold that over their head or use it as an emotional manipulation tactic or use it as some kind of vindication for your own life position. I mean, that's another thing, too. There's a lot of people, they hate dating they don't like being out and about in the se- and so when their partner cheats on them they do an internal calculation and say you know what what they did was shitty but it I, it's not worth me having to go through all that stuff again so you know what i'll do is i'll stay and take advantage of the secondary gain that i have accrued as a result of their indiscretion and if you're playing those kind of games with yourself i'm not advocating for your partner here i'm advocating for you you want to be able to acknowledge that so you can stop doing it because life can be so much better i think than that and i i really just feel like this is an opportunity to study your kind of emotional reactions to this stuff and start asking yourself some really kind of like hard hitting questions about all right let me get really clear on what my emotional response to this is let me get really clear about what my behavioral response to this is and what am i doing in the wake of that am i doing my best to respond resourcefully to this or is there some part of me that's kind of wanting to drag it out, or is there some part of me that's kind of relishing the pain, relishing the suffering, relishing the prospect for revenge, rel- relishing the hurt? Am I holding? Am I storing up this hurt so that I can use it as an excuse to mistreat my next partner? Is this going to be like you said? Oh, I've got trust issues now. Is there some part of you inside that's like, oh boy, I had trust issues before, but now I got a solid gold reason that nobody could question for it? Listen. Just because the pain is real doesn't mean that there aren't some really nasty shenanigans going on in the back of your head. (laughs) Every human being has that to some extent or another. Maybe not in every situation, but we certainly have the capacity to do that. And you have to understand, that doesn't mean we're bad people. It just means that we grew up in some effed up family environments and some social environments when we were growing up. And we got really good at figuring out how to stay safe emotionally and physically as best we could. And we got really good at deriving as much benefit as we possibly could from all of the shitty things that people do to us and that happen and that we see happen in our lives. But the thing is, now that you're out in this wide world when you can create any kind of life that you want, do you really want to be kind of pursuing the crumbs of hurts and justified anger and all of that different stuff? Or, just because you've been programmed to look for those things, do you want the option, really, of using this as an inventory for yourself and saying, "Mm, God, am I? is this a part of me that's like, Yeah, kind of like excited about what I could use this for against this person. Man, and that's not how I want to live. I want to be a person who focuses in a different way. I want to be somebody whose self-worth isn't dependent upon another person. I want to be somebody who doesn't have to just accept the unacceptable behavior of others and then try to eke out whatever kind of dysfunctional secondary gains I can from it.
0: Yes. Lots, lots, lots to learn from this type of situation. And um, yeah, I think that if you use this opportunity and dig into what could be pulling these strings and causing me to feel this way. I mean, even looking at like parents and stuff, like did Mm -hmm. this happen or did something like this happen to your same-sex parent, your opposite-sex parent? What kind of thing could you be modeling or what kind of game is going on here? Because that's not uncommon for... You know for a child of a a mother who cheated on the father for the daughter to cheat on her you know like stuff like that is Mm -hmm. when you start to see wow what is my you know my parents version of this what could i possibly be modeling it kind of gets a little spooky to be honest it's kind of a little creepy it's like oh wow um i absorbed that and look at i went ahead and recreated it in my own experience and like you said do i have the option to not do that Do I have the option to see? Do I have the option to do something different at any point in the process? Because if not, that's that whole thing about like not being a real person. It's being an automaton. It's being a programmed, you know, like you have... The tracks were laid down uh, for you before you were seven years old, and now you're just chugging along. And you're like, "Oh, well, there's a this thing and this, th-, and it's all patterned and it's mm-hmm. all predictable." And um, when you start laying your own tracks and going in a new direction and doing things that are, you know, outside the norm for you, that's when you start like really learning who you are mm-hmm. um, as a, an autonomous individual.
1: Well, I think that's one of those. It's a really powerful thing too you don't need to be feeling other than you are in order to make a conscious choice to respond to the same old feelings in new and you know more resourceful ways and i think that's 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 like a, a, a kind of a really big deal so that you could say to yourself man i'm feeling really bitterly betrayed here right feeling awful but you know what i don't want to lean into that i don't want to buy into that i don't want to make this kind of like my I don't want to use this terrible event that isn't fair and that shouldn't have happened. I don't want to use it as an excuse to feel this way for the rest of my life. I'm going to respond. I'm not going to deny that I'm having these feelings, but I'm going to intentionally respond to them mentally and behaviorally in in new and different ways that I can only discover by being more conscious and more aware of what it's like to be me, by watching those parts of me that are kind of maybe eager to latch on to this and to use it. As an excuse to think or feel or do certain things or to not think or feel or do certain things. I'm going to watch for the meanings that I'm assigning to this event. I'm going to just really observe my reactions and really truly take responsibility for my experience of their behavior because it's because I was who I was and I was what I was when they did what they did. That's the reason that I experienced their behavior in the way that I did. Now, that doesn't mean that you should have been different. It doesn't mean that at all. It just means you have the capacity to be different. And if you have a situation that prompts you to say, listen, maybe there's some internal optimization that you could do that would, what, make you a better person, make you a better wife or husband? No, no, that would make it so that you are better able to create resourceful experiences independently of how appropriately or inappropriately your partners behave. That's that personal freedom. And one of the really important things here is we're not just preparing you for the next time someone cheats on you because it might not ever happen again. right? The main thing that we're really preparing you for is for the next relationship when you're with a wonderful partner. Because when you really develop this ability to, 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 to see what about me caused this event to be as devastating as it was and how could I rearrange those things, so that if that sort of thing happens again, I don't have to suffer in quite the same way I did before. And also, I'm sure those rearrangements will confer benefits to you, even in the absence of infidelity, right? Do those rearrangements. Start to develop confidence in yourself as a resourceful responder, so that you are just better able to interact with and accept and respond resourcefully to whatever reality presents you with. That makes it much easier to have really fulfilling relationships, very close, intimate relationships in the future, even if you have things like infidelity in the past, like the the secret to like trusting people, you know, particularly if, if it's trying to trust someone that has given you no reason not to trust them, you've just got stuff in your past that makes you think people in general or men or women in general aren't trustworthy. The way to make trust more of an option for you in those situations is not to try to force yourself to do it. And it's not to convince yourself that your trust will never be broken again. It's to realize that in the event that your trust is violated or is broken or that you are let down, that you don't have to suffer over it just because you've suffered over it in the past. That you are able and capable of responding even to indiscretions like that however you want and in as resourceful a way as you are determined to learn how to respond to it. That makes trusting people safe because you don't have to know for certain that they won't let you down in order to take a chance on them. And I think that's really what the personal freedom thing is all about. And you're going to, you start pulling all those threads like you said. Um, It's going to, I'm telling you, it's a golden opportunity. It seems like a catastrophe. It seems like the worst thing ever. Tony Robbins has these two questions that I absolutely love. What's great about this and what can I learn from this? If in the face of a really terrible life event like like serious kind of infidelity, heartbreaking kind of stuff, you can ask yourself those questions and then you start really looking at yourself and seeing what about you makes it so that you have to suffer as much as you are, you can begin to change those things without losing anything about what's really important to you or intrinsic to you, without losing anything about your connection to other people or anything that you value in yourself. You can kind of make it so that the quality of your experience is better it's safer to connect with people in the future. You have more options about how to feel in response to people behaving well, people behaving poorly, all these different things. And then you have more freedom. And you're, like I said, you're more autonomous. You're more aware. You're more prepared for the game of life because you know how to handle one more example of some of the heavy stuff that life can throw at you.
0: Absolutely. Totally awesome. Um, and if you guys are interested, we are gathering up all the people who like this kind of work and forming a club that meets on Sundays. Right now, um, we're meeting at 5 pm. Pacific time. and it is where we will be doing weekly awareness challenges. We connect over Zoom so we get to see your face and kind of join in this community of accountability, growing in awareness, um, really putting, these dots together figuring out what's going on um, in your inner world and figuring out how you can rearrange it to create more of what you want so if that's something you're interested in um, it's going to be free to participate for the rest of the month, month of March just as we're getting the group going and figuring out the dynamic. So you are welcome to join. You just need the link, the Zoom link. So send one of us a message on Facebook or Instagram, or you can uh, email support at everbetterlife.com. And we will make sure that you get the link so that you can join in.